And welcome to RGU Talk, the official podcast of Robert Gordon University. I'm your host, Johnny Mill, and this week I'm here with a woman who is changing gender stereotypes at the university and education all across the region, Lauren Riley. Lauren, welcome to RGU Talk. Thank you. Now, right off the bat, your job title, if I'm right, is Project Coordinator from the Department for the Enhancement of Learning and Teaching and Access, which first of all, is a massive mouthful. Uh, but what exactly does that make your day job at the university? Okay, uh, yeah, so I work with the access and articulation team. And so our team does a lot of work around promoting um, university pathways with people who might not necessarily get to them um, otherwise. And so specifically, my work consists of carrying out the gender initiative side of that. So okay. trying to encourage um, girls into careers that they might not always choose and boys into careers that they might not consider. And um, I mean, what exactly, which subjects are we talking about, say, for boys or for girls? Sure. Uh, so we actually won a grant a couple of years ago, and the grant was specifically to look at some of the schools that have the largest gender um, disparity in okay. their departments. And so right now we've been working with the schools of computing and engineering to encourage more girls to apply to those programs, um, and the school of nursing to encourage more boys into that program. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, I understand that you're also a management researcher. Um, so how did a management researcher start working on gender outreach and uh, issues like that at the university? Sure. So my, my research actually aligns very closely to my work um, with the Delta Access and Articulation team. Uh, my research is looking at women who work in the technology sector of Scotland and understanding their experiences in the workplace and what causes them to maybe leave the workplace. Okay. Um, and so the work that I do with Delta kind of starts at the beginning part of the leaky pipeline um, and my research looks at the farther side of the leaky pipeline so looking at why women who do choose careers in technology and computing um, tend to leave at a higher rate than men or um, choose to go into careers outside of technology after working in it for a while. Okay um, and if you don't mind me asking as well I asked you how you started working in this but you're obviously from your accent not from Aberdeen what attracted you to well to Aberdeen and to RGU? Okay, uh, so I have been, I'm from America, um, and for the past couple of years I've been living in Alaska and uh, working for the university there. I got my master's at um, the University of Alaska and was interested in pursuing a PhD, but there really wasn't the opportunity in the state. Um, I don't know if you know much about um the, the geography of the U.S. Very vaguely, I'll be honest. <laughs> Alaska is actually connected to Canada, um, mm. and there's no easy way of getting to schools outside of Alaska. Okay. Um, and so no matter what, um, we were going to have to move to go to school. So um, my husband actually applied to Aberdeen Uni. There was a good program there for his uh, PhD. And I applied to RGU because I began speaking with my primary supervisor, um, and we had a very good connection, and so she really drew me to RGU to oh, pursue fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, Alaska's loss is clearly our gain. Um, <laughs> so do you find that, um, obviously you said about the, you're now working in the start of the leaky pipeline, your research primarily connected with the end of it. Do you find that there's a, a big 
connect in between and what you're doing now might have a better influence on down the line for people when they grow up for sure especially when you're talking about encouraging girls into stem it's a um a massive issue across um starting from you know primary school age there's gender stereotypes that are being ingrained in both boys and girls from society from parents from school teachers and it really starts to make um kids think that some things are for girls and some things are for boys and that influences our career choices and our subject choices as we get older mm-hmm. um, and so there's a very clear um, delineation uh, between what girls are expected to do and what boys are expected to do. And with the work you're doing um, in Delft and with the Access and Articulation team how exactly is it you are going and trying to change these gender stereotypes? So a lot of our work is uh, reaching out to secondary schools and talking to pupils about subject choice selection and challenging gender stereotypes in the classroom. So we have a um, a couple of different sessions that we bring to them uh, and try to do some activities to challenge those stereotypes or um, stuff like that. Do you often find that you'll say for example boys you can do this subject you can be a nurse and girls you can be an engineer and I expect with children at that age you'll get probably slightly laughed at I I, when I'm not working here teach drama at the weekend to kids and find they can sometimes be a tough audience how do you and your colleagues usually deal with that? Uh, So it depends on the age group. If you're talking to primary school kids, they're usually pretty open and excited. And especially if they're coming on campus, they just want to, you know, experience everything Mm and uh, do that. Some of the secondary school pupils will roll their eyes or challenge you just a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, for the most part, they're they're interested in contributing. And you'll see that there's you'll always have one or two kids in the class who really feel passionate about the subject. And so um, you can see them engaging quite a bit. Um, the biggest issue I actually had was when I went to speak with one of the local colleges. I went and spoke with um, a technology class, mm-hmm. um, a, a couple of technology classes over at the college, and um, you could see from the room that there were, you know, two girls and twenty-eight guys. Right. Um, and uh, the talk was related to express some of the differences of being a gender minority or really any kind of minority could change your experiences in the workplace. Um, and there was a lot of resistance in the room um, to that idea. And so th- the purpose was really to try to find a way to um, just increase awareness and maybe create allies. And so it was an interesting just to give that talk at that age group. And um, I mean, do you do a lot of work with gender minority students who are already here at the university as well? So I don't do a whole lot of work with them, but I have um, done a little bit of research with the um, gender minority students in the nursing program and the engineering program. Um, And so I've learned a little bit more about their experiences and what it's like being a student here. And we've had a lot of positive response from that. Um, Everyone was really happy with their experience as a student and didn't really express that there was a lot of difference between how they were treated or how um, another gender was treated in the program. Um, But it was interesting to hear about, um, for example, their motivations to get into um, either nursing or engineering. A lot of times it it was because they had a parent who was in um, that role and Mm -hmm. so they encouraged them to pursue it and um, really changed their perception on who could or could not be an engineer or a nurse Mm -hmm. Um, so that it was interesting to hear about their motivations and it's really positive to hear that there's not too much of a difference certainly the ones you've done research with in 
their experience and their colleagues of a different gender. Yeah, um, for sure. You mentioned earlier uh, the reaction of young children when they're on campus. Um, mm-hmm. do, what kind of events do you do on campus rather than going out to schools? So we try to bring secondary school kids on campus and primary school kids on campus to really work with um, the different schools and the academics within the schools to learn a little bit more about what it would be like if they did choose RGU as a university um, and also what it would be like if they were to work in engineering or computing or nursing. Um, And so along with some of the other programs that um, the Access and Articulation team does, we do some that are specific to gender. So um, for example, we brought some primary boys on campus to do a day of events with our nursing school and it went extremely well. They got to play with Medi Man. Oh fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, which is that lifelike dummy that, you know, it talks and mm. um, bleeds and all that. So they they absolutely loved it. Um, and they got to learn how to stitch a wound or to dress a wound and um, they learned how to do CPR, that kind of a thing and it was just it was a lot of fun to see them excited mm-hmm. about different things in nursing and how um, hands-on that type of work could be. Of course, yeah. Um, I certainly know that, I mean, I'm a 30-year-old man, and when I see some of the technology that and some of the things the nursing students get to do here, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I was a seven, eight-year-old boy, so I can imagine it's fantastic. Um, sure. I When I was looking into some of your work, I've seen a hashtag that's, been thrown around Twitter and um, I think you, you yourself mentioned it to me before um, you agreed to be interviewed, hashtag nay gender limits. What's that all about? Yeah, so Nay Gender Limits is a campaign that we're running as part of a regional coalition. So RGU has kind of taken the um, forefront in the leadership role in creating a regional movement around um, challenging gender stereotypes. So we work with some of the other colleges and universities um, and the other councils to create this um, awareness around, you know, encouraging girls into certain subjects and boys into others. Um, and so Nay Gender Limits was kind of born out of that. And it was actually, we, we got the hashtag from a group of secondary pupils who kind of created it for us and gave it oh, to us. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so um, it was a really nice collaborative effort and we're trying to use it to increase awareness about our program. And um, the colleges and councils and so on that you're working with, are they doing similar activities to what you're doing? Yes, so I, I don't know how much you know about this, but there's actually um, a gender action plan for a lot of different organizations, mm-hmm. um, specifically universities and colleges are asked to have gender action plans. Okay. Um, so ways to encourage gender parity. Um, and it's led by the Equality Challenge Unit and the Scottish uh, Funding Council, which is where we got the grant to work on this. Um, and so we all have very similar goals. And we thought, you know, there's limited funding around this type of work. Um, and it's an important issue. And we're all trying to reach the same um, group of people. So why not work together to do it? Makes perfect sense. Um, a final question, or Two, actually, if you don't mind. Um, from the research you've been doing and on the, the far end of the, the leaky pipeline and the work you're doing at the moment, how long do you think it might take until these ingrained gender stereotypes are truly smashed? And is there anything that normal people like myself, that people listening, students or staff at a university or the public, is there much we can do to help speed it up? Sure. Um, so I think it's kind of an age-old issue There's um, that we've seen a lot of change in, especially in the past decade or so. Um, but I'm a big proponent of 
you measure what you you manage what you measure and so i think that because we have things like the gender action plan and this focus on increasing gender parity in different subjects that it's really something that we can continue to make better and specifically see change in our lifetime uh, there's some research around um, specifically the technology sector that says it'll take hundreds of years to see um, the same number of women as men in um, the technology sector, but I think that when you have like disruptive technology, it's the same thing as having disruptive focus. And so if you do focus on something and you do challenge perspectives, that it's easier to see change quicker. And do you hope for the, the same when it comes to, say, for example, we've spoken about it already, boys getting into nursing? Yeah, I think it might actually be a lot tougher to see the numbers change um, because there's a lot of ingrained stereotypes around um, what men should do for a profession. And you can see when you talk to different um, guys about their experiences, male nurses, um, they they get a lot of pushback from friends and family about, uh, you know, oh, why, why don't you want to be a doctor instead of a mm. nurse and not really understanding why someone would choose one over the other. And I think there's a lot more work that we can and should be doing there. Well, on that, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And uh, that's it for another episode of RGU Talk. On behalf of the university, I'm Johnny Milne, and we'll talk to you later.